Vanessa and Molly, thank you so much for, for being with us today in the product and health tech community. Uh, I know both of you are responsible for leading some really cool initiatives at, at your respective employers. Really excited to kind of dive into that today, what you're up to, and maybe draw some some uh, similarities and differences between the two innovation programs. But maybe we can just start with a little bit of background on each of you and go from there. So maybe we'll start with, uh, with you, Vanessa. So I'm Vanessa Ropnik. I work for Novo Nordis, which is a Danish-based global pharmaceutical company. And I'm currently based here in the US on the East Coast, and I work for a team called Digital Transformation and Innovation. So we're actually one of the first sort of internal innovation incubators within Novo Nordis, and I can't wait to share more with you about that later. Hi, I'm Molly Zimmer. Um, I work for St. Luke's Health System in Boise, Idaho. We're a regional um, healthcare system. And we've got, you know, about around 16,000 employees, so pretty big. Um, and one of the things that I am working on currently is leading um, and building an innovation center of excellence at St. Luke's. Um, and so we're really, really working on building a common language and tools and processes to facilitate innovation internally and eventually externally as well. It sounds like you're, you're both kind of leading ambitious, quite broad new programs, uh, trying to kind of spearhead them at companies that maybe have been around for a while and maybe are, you know, um, not necessarily working, used to working in some of the ways that, that you're trying to introduce in your in your new program. So maybe we can talk a little bit more about those programs and what you're trying to bring, you know, more specifically to your companies. And so, Vanessa, I'm curious, within the context of, you know, a large pharmaceutical company, how have you structured this innovation program? You know, what is what are the goals of it? Um, yeah, what's kind of the the day-to-day of it like at this point? So uh, back in 2019, the ET at Novo Nordis actually did an analysis where they really understood that they need to think about and approach innovation in a different way. So what they did was they uh, they put together what we call APIS Labs, which is in essence an internal innovation framework. It uses a combined methodology of lean design thinking and agile project management elements. And it's been tailored specifically for the US office uh, to serve the customers, uh, whoever they may be within the US healthcare ecosystem. So the idea was one that it would bring us back to uh, the customer. So that's another key thing to take away here that we wanted to really make sure that Uh, we're focusing on their pain points and not our own as a business. So when you think about that, it's, um, you know, obviously a a pain point for the business can be uh, adherence or persistence. They need people to be more adherent and persistent with the products, um, you know, for their health benefits as well. And, uh, but then from a patient's perspective, they don't even want to be taking the products. They want to be healthy. So you have to sort of think of it from, from, from their perspective. Uh, so customer centricity is a big one, just thinking about and approaching things in a different way and generally trying to change the culture within the, the company was another key theme that was given to us in terms of, as I've mentioned, embracing the, the fear of failure because 90% of innovation is probably going to fail. Um, Embracing resistance because if you didn't have resistance, then you're probably not innovating because people love things to stay the same. Uh, and then being uncomfortable or being comfortable, I think, with being uncomfortable 
just because of the nature of change. I think, like I mentioned, we all tend to want things to stay the, stay the same. So, um, so just embracing those kind of uh, things that don't automatically become come naturally to us as humans. Very cool. And one of the more, I think, ambitious undertakings, especially in healthcare, is to bring that kind of thinking to a, a large established organization. I think it's, you know, it's really kind of admirable to, to, to spearhead that. So um, Molly, I'm curious uh, if you can say a little bit about what you're up to as well. Yeah. So um, a lot of what Vanessa, what you were saying really resonates, uh, especially thinking about like the culture component and the fear of failure. Um, as anyone could imagine a health system, like we have a very low tolerance for failure. That's not a good thing when you're thinking about, you know, a hospital stay or something like that. So um, one of the things, so my boss, Reed Stefan, our CIO, he likes to call it learning fast instead of failing fast. Um, although I think it's kind of good to destigmatize failure too. So I, I, I like both phrases. Um, but uh, as far as the culture is concerned, um, we're really working on a lot of the same thing, like really changing our mindset from being right at all costs to like, actually, the quicker you realize you're wrong, the better and you have better outcomes and you save money and time and resources and all of those things. But it's um, it's a significant effort in you know, in a large organization. So. So far, um, the program that that I'm working on, it's called the Innovation Center of Excellence. Um, it, it's it's really new. Um, I started working on it formally about a year ago and reporting to our CIO. Um, and since then, we've had um, a couple, we've had a proof of concept and now we're right in the middle of uh, a pilot for our accelerator program, an internal accelerator program. We're really just working to slowly introduce this concept, um, but it really is resonating with people. Having a system and an actual, like, steps to innovation, to problem solving, and to um, breaking away from our constraints and being able to come up with creative solutions, identify the assumptions in those solutions, and then test them. It's really, really resonating so far. So um, right now we're working with uh, about a dozen different teams and work groups within our organization on existing internal problems and really just applying that kind of scientific method of, um, of innovation to really get clear on what we need to test uh, to make sure that we have the best outcomes possible. And I think that is one interesting, uh, maybe point of contrast between the two is uh, at Nova Nordisk, it sounds like sort of executive buy-in early, uh, you know, agreement about kind of what the general tenets of the program might be and what the long-term goals might be. Molly, you're, like you said, grassroots, that's a, that's a different ball game, right? Can, can you maybe, if you're able to talk about it, can you go a little bit more into pilot, how you, you know, kind of got people bought in and participating and what success looks like if the pilot goes well? Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking the same thing, Chris, when, when Vanessa was, was talking, I was like, Ooh, we're not quite ready. I mean, we will, we'll get there, but we're, we're not quite ready to get crazy, you know, um, with, with our innovation strategy, especially like with, you know, with investment in particular, um, I think we'll get there. But right now, um, what we're doing is actually pretty revolutionary for our health system. So um, the accelerator in particular has been one of my favorite things that we've been involved in so far. Um, so this pilot is um, basically we took our, our proof of concept, which was, oh, my gosh, it, it lasted about six months. Um, and we had we had executives nominate teams essentially to work on a variety of different challenges that they had identified internally. 
Um, and then we took them through our whole innovation process from challenge creation. We use the um, strategizer tools. So business model canvas, um, value propositions, things like that. So we took them through the whole process and um, had a big fun uh, Shark Tank event at the end. And that was great. But we were like, that took way too long. How do we, you know, time box this? So our accelerator is a 16 week. Um, and, I, and I think we might even be able to get it down uh, to 12 weeks. We'll see. But it's a 16 week uh, program to take people basically through the whole innovation process, uh, beginning with a challenge. And um, ending with uh, basically, it's kind of a pitch. The word pitch is a little bit loaded, but a presentation, a recommendation that they'll give to executives about how they, they think uh, based on all of their testing, customer, in, customer interviews, all of that great analysis, um, what they think the best possible solution is to a particular problem. So what we're working on, it's, it's, it's not necessarily super sexy, but it's really, really important um, we're actually working on um, commuting. Uh, initially, we were looking at it from a sustainability standpoint because, it, um, I mean, because sustainability is a huge, it's a top three initiative for St. Luke's, but it's also, it's just important, you know, everywhere. Um, what we found, though, was when it comes to commuting, sustainability is great. And if you ask people, they'll think about it, but they don't factor it in necessarily. They just like have to get to work, right? They, it, it's low on their on their um, list of things that they're thinking about when they have to get to work. So we very quickly pivoted and we started um, looking at not just sustainability, but what are, what are some really efficient cost-saving ways for employees to get to work? And in particular, the customer segment that we care about right now is those frontline staff. So like our laundry, our, um, our cleaning folks, our food nutrition folks, um, even like all of our frontline clinical staff who have to get to work. They can't be remote like we are right now. They have to actually get there and we don't have very many good um, options for transportation. So that's our challenge. We've been through about, at this point, I think we've been through nine different tests. So those tests can be anything from user interviews, surveys, um, things like buy a feature, card sorting, like all those. Um, and we kind of, we test something, we learn from it, we have a big progress board in our innovation center and we, you know, move our validations over and then we kill some things. And, and so, I mean, I could go on and on, but in a nutshell, I think success has already happened because we've gotten way further just in, um, I think we're closing in on eight weeks. We've gotten so much uh, further with this group than we did with our POC in the way that we've structured everything. Um, and success in my mind would look like we have a really fully tested recommendation that we can give to those executives that will positively impact, I mean, thousands of our of folks in our workforce who currently really struggle with getting to work in an efficient, convenient, and um, cost-effective way. That was really cool. Um, okay, so to recap early days of the St. Luke's Innovation Program. You're in a pilot phase. You've kind of crowdsourced uh, some sort of internal, sounds like kind of operational problems. So you like you found um, uh, a lot of issues that people within the halls of St. Luke's really care about and would make things a lot better for them. Um, it sounds like, you know, you mentioned earlier that a longer term success might be, you know, getting to a place where you're kind of connected with the entrepreneurial ecosystem, maybe even investing or partnering with some health tech companies. So 
that's such a cool you know place to start kind of build that that grassroots energy and enthusiasm for that you know that mature version of it pretty different right but um the way to get there but one thing to really connect what you just said chris to what we're doing in my mind the work we're doing now is really empowering internally and it's really healthy for our culture and and especially giving like individual contributors and non-people leaders opportunities to engage in meaningful work and problem solving that's awesome but it also allows us to lay the foundation that we can do exactly what you just said, that we can actually, um, you know, invest and co-create, whether it's, you know, a doctor, which there are several actually that have come out of the woodwork, um, who we'd love to engage with on um, ideas that they have from early on. And so I think we're, what we're doing now is really getting our, our reps in, in terms of being able to um, actually really help uh, an entrepreneur um, from the ground up and, and help them work through their process and co-create something in the future. Very cool. Um, so Vanessa, now you, you mentioned the APIS labs framework earlier, uh, which I'm somewhat familiar with at this point. Um, <laughs> can you maybe, uh, describe that at a high level and maybe we can pick apart some ways that that's sort of different than what Molly's up to. We actually have what we call uh, an experiment team, which consists of what you would know as a product owner, in, in Agile, uh, product owner, scrum master, as well as a build team. So uh, the idea is that the, the product owner and the scrum master are internal to the business and are able to be those sort of uh, uh, those people that retain all the knowledge that they're learning throughout the experimentation in the lab. And then we also leverage a build team, as I mentioned, which is usually external vendors who are able to help us by uh, by supporting, providing additional capacity or um, additional skill sets that we just don't currently have within the business. The way we work is in what you call sprints. Again, using the agile uh, sort of framework methodology or uh, a terminology here, we call uh, we have a number of meetings and standing ceremonies within those sprints, and that's just a fancy way of, of saying meetings. Uh, but essentially, the idea is that we create this environment where these small agile teams can are basically isolated and allowed to explore and experiment within within a particular area. So within the framework, we actually work across a number of different phases. We actually start, as I mentioned before, with the customer problem, the the sort of pain point that we're trying to solve. Uh, then we move on to the next phase, which is we know what the, or we think we know what the customer problem is. Let's test that out a little little bit more. Then come up with a hypothesis for how we think we can solve that problem. So it's not even till the third phase that we actually start thinking about the solution, which I think is another key takeaway from what our, how our team works. We don't start with the shiny object trying to run around to find the, the problem that it needs to solve. We really want to start with the customer uh, problem. So again, that customer centricity and truly understand what their problem is. So we we spend about, I would say, anywhere between 50 to 75% just up front, really trying to get immerse ourselves into that patient world. And then, um, and then we move into uh, the ideation phase, like I mentioned, come up with some of those solutions that we believe can, can solve for the problem. 
and then move into the final uh, phase, which we call test and learn, which is, again, just trying to iterate and experiment uh, on the solutions that we've identified and see which one best uh, solves for the problem that we originally identified. Having said that, that's assuming everything goes to plan. It's it's definitely not linear and it definitely doesn't mean every single opportunity that we start with goes through to test and learn. I mean, Molly mentioned it before, it's failing fast. It's not wasting resources, not wasting time. Um, it's about finding the, the best outcome for your customers. Um, another thing to clarify is that we do work uh, with the three lenses of innovation in mind. Uh, so that's not unique to, to Novo Nordis. It's been used, I, I think, at a number of different places where you think about what's desirable for the customer, what's feasible, and then also what is viable to the business. So we're constantly checking ourselves against those three lenses to make sure that is there a real problem in the market? Is there desire for change? Because we all know someone that likes to complain about something that, but will never make the, make the change. So, you know, is it feasible to build this? Does it make sense for, for our company to play in this space? Um, or, you know, is the technology even possible right now? I'm curious if some of the similarities are sort of in the, uh, the challenges or the headwinds category, even though the, the companies themselves are, are pretty different. Um, Molly, maybe can you talk us through some of the, you know, some of the friction, some of the challenges, some of the, you know, what's been difficult so far to get to, to where you are? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and first, I just have to say, Vanessa, I was just like nodding furiously to everything you said, because I like it's just, you know, you're just speaking my language. I think, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like just testing assumptions that there's one thing that we could get everybody to do, that that would be it. So with this kind of grassroots, or sometimes we like to call it, Lexi and I call it guerrilla warfare um, approach <laughs> that we have, but no, re- no real casualties, I promise. Honestly, we, we've been able to just really think about the best way we want to build the program without a lot of like report back on what you're doing, report back on what you're doing. So that freedom is really amazing. The challenge, though, to that is um, there isn't, you know, our, our CAO, CEO isn't, you know, giving his all at his all hands meetings. He's not telling everyone about the Innovation Center. And, and so the way that we had to kind of start spreading the word and build trust was really, really getting to know everyone in the organization, especially folks who were um, leading maybe similar efforts. A lot of times folks get, um, you know, performance improvement or continuous improvement. They're like, well, what's, how is this any different than that? And, and it is really different because it's really reimagining the whole solution. It's not just finding the pain points and making them a little bit better. Um, but we spent a ton of time in discovery mode, reaching out to leaders, reaching out to other um, departments like performance improvement, continuous improvement that are within our kind of improvement ecosystem, folks that are just trying to fix problems essentially in a variety of ways. Um, So I would say the biggest barrier for us has just been building trust. It's been building um, the understanding of of what our definition of innovation is and where we're headed. But then it's also been like getting people to to, um, not feel protective or threatened. We're not coming for anyone's stuff. 
but to start seeing us as a resource and actually like extra hands to help them view their problems, their current challenges a little bit differently. So um, I'd say that's been our biggest barrier and, and, and we've had great success, although it has taken time, um, but we've had great success in building those allies and finding those partners who can um, help us basically get some quick success stories and then word of mouth. I mean, it travels fast. So that's interesting. You mentioned um, other departments maybe uh, thinking that what you do could be somewhat similar. And at least in my experience, I found that that comes down to something you mentioned earlier, which was sort of like um, evangelizing the vocabulary of innovation, it's like helping them really internalize that these, you know, this sort of like lexicon of, of words and innovation. Like exactly. these are terms of art and they really do mean something quite different than what it might mean in, in someone else's sort of operational day-to-day. Now, Vanessa, on the on the Nova Nordisk side, uh, we kind of established to some extent uh, executive buy-in here, maybe to a greater extent than where Molly's at, focused on potential new sort of business ideas or new revenue ideas rather than solving for kind of operational issues. Um, so I imagine a different set of challenges. Can you talk us through some of what you've worked through? I was almost going to say, I don't think I need to add anything here. Um, we've absolutely uh, suffered, you know, resourcing issues, whether that be uh, people or money. The good thing about that, and and I think the good thing that it's people like us that are in these roles is with those kind of challenges, you have to be innovative about the way you're going to do your work. Do I wish that my innovation or the team's innovation could be focused more on solving the actual customer problems? Yes, but you know, if if I'm if you're if we have to come against these kind of limitations, that's only going to build our sort of innovation muscles more so. So uh, that's that challenge. Uh, we also face, I think. It relates a lot to what I've mentioned before in terms of um, that that fear of failure, that resistance that you get. Uh, one of the things that we knew we were going to get because of the long successful history that Novo Nordis has had, um, you know, we knew that we were going to get some kind of resistance because if it's been working well, why do we need to change it? And so instead of waiting for that resistance to come to us, we went out and sorted out and we continue to do so. So whenever we feel people pushing back or or um, maybe sort of putting their guard up, then that's when we like hone in on that person and, and try to figure out what's actually going on and how we can maybe uh, pivot their point of view for what we're doing and, and get their support. Um, we also, I think a great example that I can give for that is with our internal subject matter experts across those areas of the business that everyone thinks is anti-innovation, like regulatory, privacy, legal, all those fun ones. Um, and I, I actually think they are fun because I have a, a pretty good time with these guys at some of the catch-ups that we um, that we have. And uh, but we we actually uh, bring to them proactively the activities that we're working on, and you would know this probably more than anyone, Chris, being involved in that, um, that uh, we bring it to them, we keep them engaged, let them know what we're doing, and then they feel like they're a part of the process and they're able to 
guide us on what we can and, and maybe can't do or should just think of a different way to approach. And so that's always good to, to be proactive and get their buy-in. So that's an ex- one example that I can give about embracing resistance. Yeah, I think the anti-territoriality stance is so important. And I think it it's sort of um, uh, a, a byproduct maybe of uh, what I think is some of the, the most important um, kind of upside of, of this kind of work, which is I think it really makes some companies better places to work. I think it just makes it more interesting. It gets you closer to the customer, right? And and solving their actual problems. So transitioning now from talk of kind of headwinds or challenges, can you maybe give us one or two examples sort of as specific as you can of, of you know, wins or, you know, concrete progress, something you're proud of from the last, you know, six months or so. Maybe I'll, I'll go back to you, Molly. I guess probably our most concrete win um, is uh, we had a, we called it Shark Tank, but it was not scary and feisty. It was more like warm hug tank, Um, like let's celebrate innovation uh, tank. Um, But it was awesome. Like, so we had an event, it was in, I believe it was in March of 2022, Um, and so that proof of concept group, I told you about in the past, all those different teams came together and they presented not just their recommendation at the end, but they also presented their learning process, um, to their executives. And it was one of just the most joyful, energetic, creative, cause they, cause they had to do like a creative pitch and some people really got creative. Um, it was just so much fun. And, and that while we didn't get as far testing, I mean, it's our first, first time kind of going through that process. We didn't get as far um, as, you know, the number of tests I would have liked before giving a recommendation. Um, what was so cool about it was it was the exact vibe that we want. It's that culture piece. Um, so it was like, this is what innovation should feel like. And everybody felt it. So, so, so yes, I've said grassroots a lot, but we do have, we have a lot of um, really awesome executives that, and, and my boss, Reed, the CIO, um, he keeps connected with a lot of those really influential folks in our organization. So they're there, they're in the background really, you know, supporting, um, but that was a huge win. The other one, and this kind of brings it all the way down more at kind of the individual and, and maybe like employee morale, staff retention, things like that, like giving especially individual contributors um, opportunities for growth. I think we have a lot of room to drive down opportunities for not necessarily even decision-making, but just meaningful work, like getting into the problem and coming up with potential solutions. And so one of the biggest, uh, what most amazing highlights for me was just last week, we were on a call with um, a, min, a subgroup of our accelerator cohort. And one of the girls, we, we were just designing an interview guide. And one of the girls just said, I just have never felt more empowered ever at St. Luke's. <laughs> just, I didn't know you could just go talk to people and just start doing things. And, um, and just the excitement and enthusiasm that she felt, I was like, that's exactly what we're going for here. And if we can, you know, get people through the program and get more and more people feeling that way, I mean, that's the goal. So those are a couple for me. Beautiful. Thanks, Molly. And same question to you, Vanessa. So uh, one of the things that I talked about before is the this concept that more than likely when you're truly being innovative, 90% of what you're putting through your funnel is probably going to fail out. 
Um, so volume and velocity becomes a really important piece to, to our framework. And so we are a very young team. We've been operating for about two years now, and we've actually just reached our first successful milestone. So uh, one of our key KPIs is that we, at the end of that test and learn phase, we have a prototype that we're able to recommend to an area of the business to build and scale. And we've finally been able to do that. It's with a, a data uh, prediction model. And so we're pretty excited uh, that this has finally happened after almost two years of trying really, really hard and, you know, pushing ourselves up that hill and bashing our heads against that, that wall. Um, so, yeah, we, uh, we're very excited. We're actually having a, a celebration for that uh, tomorrow uh, with everyone that was able to help get us there. So it's a huge group of people, which is also, I think, another another reason why I think of it as a win. It's, it's a project that has really uh, shown how, how far you can go with cross-functional collaboration and co-creating something together with your peers. So uh, we we started off with this small idea within our own team and gradually we were able to talk about it with others who became inspired, joined our team to help us build it, and now we found another team to actually take over and build it uh, to its full potential. So it's a really good feeling to, to finally reach that milestone. That is incredible. Congratulations. Um, all right. We are coming up on time. Uh, Vanessa and Molly, thank you so much uh i really do admire uh so much of what you guys do i think you're both brilliant um i love this work i think it's super important so uh so thanks for giving us you know a little bit of a platform to, to highlight you guys and what you're up to um maybe as we close can you guys uh let our audience know how they might find and connect with you if they have you know follow-up questions or want to want to reach out I love to, to brainstorm problems and try to help people as much as I can. So if anyone wants to reach out, they can just do so via LinkedIn. I'm, I'm on there and, and you'll be able to find me pretty easy. Awesome. And Molly? Yeah, well, I'm definitely going to connect with Vanessa after this. <laughs> I already have a lot of questions for you, um, but I, I feel the same way. I, I love this. I mean, there are a lot of people that have helped myself and my leader, Reed Stefan, along this journey. And I am thrilled to, um, you know, if there's any little tidbit I can give to help uh, people get started, I'd love to. So same as Vanessa, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, yep, Molly Zimmer, St. Luke's Health System. And please don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you both for joining us. I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I really enjoy, you know, talking about this stuff with you. And I think it's super important for, for this community to hear. So thanks again. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you.